Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Bath Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show where intimacy is real. All right. Hi, Dr. Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty terrific. Good, yes. You know, I'm so excited because this month is Women's History Month. So it is a powerful month. You know that, right? It is. Yes, definitely. And in Women's History Month, um, we have a lot of people coming on that are empowering. And today, of course, we're talking about music with intimacy and also kind of what, you know, some of us can relate to, um, I'm getting to that age, it's dating at 50. So I'm so excited about today's show. I am as well. And I'm, I'm 54. I'm halfway through the 50s. So I'm ready to listen to that. And of course, uh, our very first segment is romance and opera. Yes, yes, with music. Yes. Definitely. I, that's why I was like, I, hey, I have this. I'm not playing it. This is just a prop. I truly do want to hear about romance and opera. I can't yes. wait for today. Yes, but I didn't even know that you played in a guitar. Yes. Oh, well, you know, I took it up for a little bit um, and it, it looks great on the knee, but I really just know how to strum. Okay. About strumming and looks. <laughs> okay, yes. What is your guitar's name? Fancy. Fancy. Oh, beautiful. Fancy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, before we definitely get started on the show, the one thing that I, I want to um, empower people is we have also a new nonprofit that I want to highlight, and it's called Freely Give. It is a nonprofit for empowering women. Um, it's done by a good friend of mine, Karen Spears. And in this, what they do is empower women and they put um, mentors associated with women and with girls. And they have a program called Fort Myers Girls Track, where they actually walk and they work on healing and dealing with the mind, body, and spirit. So if anyone's interested, um, you'll learn more about it. It's on my website. Visit freelygiveinc.com, freelygiveinc.com. And the phone number is 239-226-0964. So I want to talk to you about our guest today. She is someone very special in dealing with intimacy and opera and a music thing. I would like to w welcome Bridget Cooper. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you so much. Um, you know what, Dr. April, I am so proud of you. I just want to share that with you. Um, you are just a trailblazer in your field. And I've been reading a lot about what you've been doing, your efforts, your just everything and the importance about building relationships and maintaining them. And people, that is really something that people have to learn and be coached at oftentimes. I mean, sometimes it's just, we take it for granted, many of us. Uh, but at the same time, there are many people out there who I think once they have the tools that you have to offer and this program will offer, um, I think that just gives everyone a foundation into 
getting along a little bit better, being able to be heard, feeling like you're being able to be heard, even if, even if you're at opposite ends of the spectrum or, or a disagreement. Um, I just think that I, I really applaud this platform and what everyone is doing to promote that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But also I've kind of taken you for granted. I didn't know. I don't know if you guys know um, Bridget and, I, and you go by Brie. She's an mm-hmm. award-winning classical singer. Did you guys know that? She's the owner of productions to performing creative art, media, and lifestyle brand. She also has her own podcast called Harbor for the Arts, which has been um, in season for a while. And she has done a lot. You know that she's ran. Yeah, last time I, I was it last year, I tried to get you on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was running for the United States Congress. Did you realize that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, so she's not got music. <laughs> and a lot of death and soul. I mean, she's intelligent. And she's also been named 25 Women Changing World by Conversation Magazine. Yeah, she is on a mission for this, keeping this classical arts like opera, which is um, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I am so, so, so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That that means a lot. You know, just it's always nice. Even though people say, oh, you shouldn't want to, you know, seek validation from other people. It really is. It does matter when you work hard and you're not out here to, um, you know, it, it's nice that, to seek popularity or anything like that. But it is important that people validate or you feel validated uh, with the work that everyone does. You know, everyone just wants to feel like, oh, wow wow, people notice that I'm putting in some work and effort into making things better for other people. Yes. How did you actually get involved into opera? Hi. Um, so opera for me, it pretty much started at, I guess when I was 12, um, I was in school. I remember just normal 12 year old. And I remember my friends would always say in church, like, gosh, you have a beautiful voice. And I would just sing these hymns and I was like, oh, thanks. Okay. So um, I will never forget my music teacher at the time. She called my mom and said, you've got to hear her. She has a beautiful voice. And I was literally just going to music class. It was just a basic, you know, general music. You learn some songs. I remember loving to learn. I remember loving that she taught um, the recorder. I took up the recorder really quickly she would let me like try to take uh, beginner lessons on the piano. And it was her that actually contacted my parents and said, wow, she has a really beautiful voice. And it's not like a gospel voice or anything like that, like contemporary that you'd hear on the radio. It was really something that was more like, um, uh, more like um, classical. And at the time I, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that, but um, anyway, so she said, I'm going to give Bridget a solo at our next concert. I want you to come hear her. There was no pressure. They never said anything to me about it. They just said, oh, you know, you have a solo at the next concert. Great. We're just going to go and, you know, enjoy it. So it went really well. And then that was the start of it. Um, so after that, I remember my dad saying, you know, you have a really beautiful voice. You should think about majoring in it. I was like, what's that? You know, when you go to college. Now, remember, I was in seventh grade at this point. Um, so we are, he's already thinking about, okay, well, you know, this is what you're meant to do. You need to focus on it and all of that. And so that's kind of how it started. And um, he always had an appreciation for music. He loved music. He loved classical music. 
Um, he was always in the concert choir in college. Um, he dated several opera singers from what I found out. Um, he dated um, Grace Bummery at one point. Um, and that was when they were studying at Boston University. And I had no idea about that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so wild. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. This is your dad? Yeah, that was my dad. My mom used to be an opera singer as well. So would you so, say genetic? This is a genetic gift? I think the, you know what I think, you know, when people say it's, it's it, even if you do something completely different, it's something that's like in your DNA. You know what I mean? Like, I really think that some things are just kind of handed down from generation to generation. And I don't, I think genetically, yes, the voice has a lot to do with it because my mom used to sing, my dad sang. Um, but I also think just the understanding it and how it came into my life has been um, kind of just built in already. You know, like I really felt like there was nothing, there were other passions that I had, but there was nothing that was really meant for me except for music. And I had to learn it too. It wasn't like, oh, I woke up at three and was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do music. And I was really, you know, I had my own flaws too, because I was really kind of like not focused. And I didn't realize how much um, effort it took because it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to memorize this song, which was easy. But then you start talking about the craft of it, learning your sight singing, understanding what theory is, how to compose a song, how to instrumentation, all of that. And that's what people don't realize that part of it, learning in different languages, how to sing in different languages, understanding what the voice types are and, and comparing different opera singers. Um, so it was then, and then all of a sudden I started getting tickets to, to famous opera singers who were in town, like, uh, oh, we're just going to go hear Leontine Price. <laughs> oh, we're just going to go hear Kathleen Battle. So all through high school, my parents would always get me tickets to these things, or my music teacher would uh, somehow a ticket would end up in my parents' hands um, to go see a concert or an orchestra concert or something like that. And it just stuck. And by the time it was time for me to apply for high school, um, you know, we knew that that's what we were, I was going to end up doing something in music. Um, and I, you know, just kept, kept at it. It wasn't easy, but I kept at it. Yes. And so um, with that, keeping at it, and you have a great voice that it's so intimate, you know, I, I don't know um, with you, Dr. Kelly, but when you listen to opera and then if you ever have listened to her, you feel like you're really there where, where she's singing about you know what I'm saying you feel really intense how do you do that and what does that mean for you as a performer a part of that is training and understanding that one you're trying to connect an audience who may have never been to an opera into a whole different world and how do you transport the 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 viewer and the listener into a, a two hour or three hour or four hour opera is sung in a different language and people that's not people's primary language a lot of times. So it's about creating that, that feeling. It's about the staging, the costumes, um, how much time you really spend outside of the performance, um, translating a whole score oftentimes, understanding what you're singing about. And that really plays a role in how you connect with the audience. Because if you don't know what you're singing about, even if it's in a different language, then how are other people going to, to understand that and feel that? Bridget, you know, you're going to have to, please forgive my, uh, if there's any, I, I'm, you're informing and educating me. Oh, well, that's always good. 
we're talking, you know, I think opera is so romantic because I always see it in these movies and they're dressed up in black ties and red dresses and and then they're like sitting there and they're crying or they have sex later. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's either mm-hmm. a, uh, like it's not just me, right? And it's not just the movies. I have not, I honestly have not been to an opera in person. Mm-hmm. So I feel a sense of shame by that, but you're inspiring me to go. So what would you say to our listeners who have never been to an opera such as myself? You know, that's what my platform has also been about. Um, uh, a few years ago, I created a TV show called Opera Luscious. And that was literally to connect people who kind of always wanted to go, but it's really far removed. Like, do I really want to sit through two hours in another language with, I don't understand what's going on. And people who are, you know, as some of my friends say, highfalutin, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so part of that has been on that, on my mission to really just um, advocate for the arts and have people just like yourself, who are interested and that curiosity is there, but you don't know where to start. So with my TV show, what I did was um, the mission was to basically show people how they could incorporate opera into their daily lives. And what I did was I talked to people who like makeup artists. We all like makeup. I mean, if you're a woman, sometimes you like it, even if you're a guy, you like makeup sometimes, but um, makeup artists and how you can take inspiration from an opera and bring it into your daily life. So we did one segment with a, with a um, celebrity makeup artist who used the opera Carmen and Madame Butterfly. And she literally said how to take your daytime look straight to the theater and inspired by Madame Butterfly. And she showed the viewers how to put like an orchid in your hair or, and talked about the opera. And so the great thing was that people started emailing me saying, I don't know what that opera was about, but I decided to look it up and we went to the theater and she had, you know, they would send me pictures of someone with um, beautiful blossoms in their hair. I think La Traviata one time was like, oh, the braid over to the right with a flower. Um, Carmen was definitely like the red lipstick, a flower in her hair, um, a red top and the um, red rouge. Um, So, you know, that's what it's about. It's really about just making that connection. Um, And that was one of my missions, um, which with Opera Lush is the TV show. One of the things I did was have a chef and this is something that validated me as well. I had a chef on um, and she was making, um, it was this elderflower Uh, dessert. And she decided to use the opera La Traviata for her inspiration. So the episode airs in Los Angeles. I get this really lovely email from a viewer who just happened to be watching it. And she said, you know, I want you to know that I had a brunch. She used the recipe. She kind of tweaked it to her own, but she used the recipe. And when her friends and family came to the brunch, They had the music of La Traviata. She had never been to an opera before. Um, She was so inspired by this recipe and thought it would be so different for her brunch that she decided to have some of the music playing in the background. They went through the whole thing. She said she didn't say a word to anybody. She just said, they were like, okay, this is new. You've got classical music in the background. At dessert time, she had the dessert out. They had the dessert. Like, oh my gosh, this is this is wonderful. Um, and I think it was with the elderberry. So a lot of people, it's not a familiar taste with a lot of people in the United States. I think. I, I mean, there, it is, but 
Um, for me, that was the first time I had tasted elderberry in a dessert as well. And it's a very distinct taste, but it was lovely. So she says, people just started saying, oh my gosh, what kind of dessert is this? And she says, well, the recipe was inspired by La Traviata. The opera? I don't know about the opera. Oh, well, that's what you're here playing now. Oh my gosh, let's listen to the first act. So she tells me this whole thing. I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted. And she told me she got tickets to the opera season, the next season. Um, They were performing. It wasn't La Traviata. She did ask me about a one act. Um, It was, um, hold on. It was, oh, uh, Johnny Skeeky. And I told her that would be a great opera to just see for the first time. And that's what I tell people. Like, if you're into opera or you want to get into opera, see something that's a one-act opera. It's really easy. It goes by like 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Um, Usually, a lot of times, they're very funny. Um, It gets to the point. And it's just enough to make you go, oh, okay, that was nice. I want more, (laughs) you know? So that's what I would say. How do you spell that? And what do you, it's Johnny who? Johnny Skeeky and Johnny. Oh, okay. You know what? You know this because the aria, Oh Mio Babino Caro. You've heard it. I know in tons of movies. Oh Mio Babino Caro. Mi piace So you've heard that. I know you have like in commercials, stuff like that. Wow, That's that was- from that <laughs> opera. <laughs> okay. goodness. But it's so funny because people hear this all the time and they're like, oh, wait, that's from an opera? Which opera? Johnny Skeeky. So Johnny Skeeky is actually a comic opera. It's very funny. They're fighting over a will. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a very funny opera. Um, and the character that sings that popular aria, Omio Babino Cado, she... Um, you know, she's fallen in love and she wants to explain to her dad that, hey, I really love this guy. You know, I really want to build a relationship. I want you to build a relationship with him. So, um, yeah, a lot of people are so funny. They don't realize that they've heard a lot of this music. Porgy and Bess is another one. Um, that's another great opera. It's uh, r- literally written uh, for African-American singers to sing because it takes place in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, I mean, it's about two hours or three hours but you're talking about drug addiction, a drug dealer. You're talking about entrepreneurship. Uh, there's a woman who is, um, her name is Mariah. And at first she looked like this quirky kind of older character. But when you really dissect the character, she is the backbone of the community. She protects the kids. She is a business owner um, and she's an entrepreneur. Um, so it talks about the life in this um, uh, seaside town uh, on an island. And it's, it's, that's another great one to go see. One, it's in English. Number two, there's some great songs that you've already heard. Summertime is from there. It opens the opera with Summertime, something familiar. Um, the action, it moves fast. And that, that's, that's just a, a fun one. Um, also, of course, Carmen. Um, If you can hear it in English, I think that's always a good start. Anytime you can hear an opera sung in English. And what I always recommend is go see an opera that um, is already like part of uh, a lot of the opera companies have a young artist program. Go see one of those. Um, Because not only is it a singer who's like up and coming or just finished college or maybe work on a grad program, but the opera is literally meant to 
engage the community around them. So it's oftentimes sung in English. Oftentimes it's a one act opera. Oftentimes it's an opera. If it's not one act, then it's something that is really going to engage people and fun, you know? And then when you work your way up to Wagner, that's when you bring a bag lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a small break. But when we come back, I would love to talk about the romantic era, the romantic operas, oh, and yeah. even maybe get you to uh, sing a little. So, oh, yeah. okay. okay. All right, we'll take a small break and we'll be back in a few moments. Okay, great. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bring Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So Dr. Kelly and I have been talking with Bridget Cooper about um, opera. I mean, wow. Did you hear how much she could sing? And I was moved. You know, when we started this uh, episode, I wore a country hat because that's kind of the music that I knew. And I'm like, hey, I'm a country girl and I need to be schooled. And I am learning so much, Bridget. And your humility is just, uh, you're way too humble. <laughs> Oh, we can't hear you. Got to turn the mic. Oh, the sorry about that. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thank you so much. I, I think it's just I don't know. I guess that's just kind of how I am because I see it as um, what I do, and it's almost like a job. But at the same time, it's just kind of who I. It's who I am and what I do because people say that all the time that I'm so humble, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, how am I supposed to act? Look at how I have a lot of friends that are like, are you kidding me? I'd be like, sing it all the time. And I'm like, but it's a job. It's my job. It's like when you go to work and then you get home, do you really want to take your work with you? No, you know, you want to enjoy it. It's what you do. It's who you are. But at the same time, you really have to keep everything in perspective. And the, the business is hard anyway, because it's so up and down and especially, um, with my podcast, we were talking about on Harbor for the Arts, we we're talking about how the pandemic has affected artists. And one of my reasons for wanting to really go into production and everything like that was because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to rely on um, a person, a thing, a company to tell me how far I can go and how far I can't go. You know, and that's when you start, you have to create your own opportunities. You have to learn as much as you can keep conversations like this going. Um, because honestly, I never even really thought about 
intimacy and that relationship in opera until, uh, you know, Dr. April, you were, you were sharing with me about your podcast. And I was like, huh? I mean, I know it's important in the audience, but then I think about what does that relationship really look like? And what is it, what is the importance of building that relationship? Because if you don't, then that's why sometimes opera will die in the, it will die. Because if you don't understand that connection and the importance of it, I mean, look at the opera that I was going to say the opera because it's written like an opera. Uh, Bridgerton from the books. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, we see it on uh, Netflix. But if you think about like um, uh, how they did the instrumentation with the popular songs and they recrafted it for string instruments, um, they did uh, Billie Eilish when I was listening to it. They had uh, Ariana Grande's song on there and they just repurposed it for strings, which I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then that's another way that you start connecting these people and becoming more intimate. It's a very intimate show and not just because of the content, but how it's produced, how you relate to it. I mean, it's very, it's about characters and that's what opera is about really. And if you think about it back then, I mean, there was no social media. There were no movie theaters. That's how people entertain themselves. They entertain themselves through opera and through the story of opera and these characters that were so, uh, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, these characters that are so forlorn a lot of times. I mean, each 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 voice category has a different stereotype. You know, the soprano is always after the guy. The tenor is always after the soprano. The mezzo is always after both of them or trying to get back at the soprano. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just, I, I yeah. And I love all sorts of music. I mean, I love country music. At one point I was just like, oh, I want to do a country CD because I love the judge so much. And I thought that would be a lot of fun for me, like to do something kind of crossover. Um, but yeah, I love all, all you got, types you got of Dr. music. Kelly's attention there. Oh yeah, I love the Judds for sure. Oh, um, yeah, one of my one of my favorite groups. I mean, I've always I'm looking for some new music from them. Hopefully soon. I know. Um, say again. I I have missed them. Yeah, I know. Right, right. And I don't know when they're going to get back to it, but definitely, I hope it's soon. Yeah, I have that feeling they're going to come out with something soon. Oh, it's going to be big too, better than Toby Keith. But back, to yeah, you. yeah. And so I, I'm really looking forward to them. And that was the one thing I was just like, oh wow, I could. And that, and country music is written like an opera. Well, that's you true. know, the, yeah, it's it's so if you really pick apart a song, I'm like, oh my god, this I is heard. like a whole. It's like yeah, it's like a whole opera in three minutes, and people <laughs> don't even realize that. I'm like. Okay, there's there's Mimi. <laughs> Here's La Boheme, you know. And I'm um, going to love it. Then I'm going to love opera. You, you, you will. A new um addiction for me. Find something on like do start with just YouTube and look at uh Johnny Skiki, that's one. Uh well you'll hear Omio Babino Cotto. Um, you can do Turn of the Screw, which is another good one. I love um contemporary opera and Turn of the Screw by Benjamin Britten was one that I thought was, I mean, based on the book, but it's kind of eerie anyway. But for somebody to put all of that into music, it's contemporary. So you really have to keep an open mind, but it's real. Oh my God, it's captivating. You'll love it. Yeah, but anyway, I, okay, sorry. Yeah, and so with all that, I mean, I love um, romance. So what is like romantic operas? 
So a romantic opera, you're dealing with a different type of uh, time period. And um, what I really want to impress with your um, in part on your listeners is that when you talk about opera, you're talking about different genres. Romantic era is one of the genres that you're talking about. But it also comes about through what's happening in the news and what was happening in the news and society uh, even back then. So you have composers like uh, Puccini. Uh, we were talking about Johnny Skiki and Omeo Babino, Cado. Well, we're also talking about La Boheme, which is by Puccini. Um, that's a more popular one. And why is it more popular also? Because there is that aria, uh, Quando Minvo. And a lot of people have heard this aria as well. But can you think of a Broadway show that was based on the opera La Boheme? inspired by Mm. no that's okay if you can't no i can't yeah okay it's rent Rent? oh you're right rent okay yeah so rent was um i mean it's not playing anymore but rent was uh, inspired by uh la boheme and it basically talks about this eclectic group of people artsy musically musical people who basically lived together in this one area and um, you know, they all had their different storylines of what they were going through and what it meant. And uh, then you have um, Mimi who sings the popular song, Quando uh, Minvo. Um, and the romantic era, you can tell that because if you listen to the instrumentation, it's very, what I like to call schmaltzy. I mean, they're, the line of what the performer is trying to emote can also be heard in the accompaniment. So those long lines, somewhat heavier instrumentation, the violins, uh, the longing that you often hear uh, in the accompaniment, which is much different than uh, I'll say like a Baroque, like what you would hear in um, some of the instrumentation in Bridgerton. You know, it's very Baroque, very light, very, uh, pizzicato in a lot of the strings. Um, and then you have um, the straight up classical era. Um, you have neoclassical. Um, you have um, an era, a lot of the German composers did uh, what we call Sturm und Drang, which is very um, straightforward, the Wagner. Um, there is impressionistic period, which paints a picture, which is why I like a lot of the impressionist composers such as Debussy, they paint a picture uh, with the music itself. So not only do you have someone singing about water with the lyrics, but you hear the water in the accompaniment. Wow. So like I mentioned, uh, for Quando Minvo, uh, Puccini um, in La Boheme, uh, you get to hear, it's a romantic era, you get to hear the kind of longing, but the music often moves along with the lyrics that are being sung. And very heartfelt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Close us away. You know, I have a question. I know we're pressed for time, but I just have to know, what would you recommend to our listeners who are like, you know, whether it's a man or a woman, they're like, I need a good foreplay song here. Oh, wow. Okay. I need my sexual intimacy. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Let's see. Okay. Um, there's several, um, 
Oh, I can think of one. And this is a, this goes back to one of the operas, of course, Porgy and Bess. Um, you have that song, which is, um, uh, you have Serena's aria, which is My Man's Gone Now, or you have um, What You Want With Bessie Now. And then it goes through this whole jazzy interlude. Um, definitely in um, La Boheme, the whole first, I mean, right when it comes in, that instrumentation is beautiful. That really is just like sets the mood. There are so many. Um, let me think of something else. Uh, uh, we talked about Johnny Skeeper, which is more light and fun. Um, you know who did a um, a crossover? Kiss, uh, Kiss of a Rose? seal song do you remember that years ago what's well, a great crossover piece and they started putting it in, in new opera <laughs> so that's another great piece um but there's so many i can i would love to send you a list of uh actually i have a spotify um account uh that has a lot of different opera tunes on it which forever like there's stuff for for cooking <laughs> there's stuff for working out they're just arias that are are just fun to sing to get you in a to feel motivated, but yeah, there, it's a, it's on a Spotify playlist. Brie Cooper um, mezzo soprano. Thank you. So yeah. I'll keep adding more to that now that you say that. Yes, yeah, because we could actually put that. I don't know if you have it somewhere. We could put that link in the show notes. Okay, I'll send that to you for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yes, thanks. People are like you know. Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great one. I was like, oh. Yeah. I'm gonna follow you. Oh, please do! Yay! Yes, definitely. So, can you actually um, sing us a little bit of um, something that that you really feel passionate about, and that maybe even represents what represents you? Oh, okay, sure. Um, well, we can do Quando Minvo since you were talking about romantic opera and that building of the relationships and intimacy. Um, so Mimi, she sings Quando Minvo, um, and she's talking about just being kind of a loner by herself and, and what it means to like, when she, she walks through the streets and, you know, um, she has a reputation, but she walks through the streets and it's just her, but then she really has a secret behind, behind all of it. She has a secret that's just hers and hers alone. And she likes to be coquettish a bit. Um, so this is Quando Minvo. <clears throat> Quando Minvo, Quando Minvo, soletta per la via, la gente sosta e mira. first little that was just the first little you know little verse there i'm putting away my cowboy hat (laughs) (laughs) but you can mix it you can mix the cowboy and yes 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 let's get those judge back here and we'll sing have a song oh my gosh yes i did it cooper 
please do. Uh, are you on Spotify or on um, Facebook? Yes. Um, okay. So both of those are uh, Brie Cooper, mezzo-soprano, Bridget Cooper, mezzo-soprano. And um, also I did a collaboration several years ago with a young rapper and we did um, Time to Say Goodbye. Andrea Bocelli. Awesome. Time to say goodbye. Suave vento, vento. So anyway, it was that, me singing that. And then he had this fabulous rap underneath oh of it. So God. that's on the page as well. But um, that's something that, you know, I really like getting people inspired about, you know, the different ways you can bring some of the classical music to life, right. you know? Right. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. And so you're saying that you're on Spotify, Facebook? I'm on, yep. Spotify. You can follow either Harbor for the Arts um, or you can follow Brie Cooper, Mezzo Soprano. Um, You can listen to my podcast, Harbor for the Arts. And also when I ran for Congress, um, I I wanted to definitely have some sort of civic engagement platform. So there's a podcast called Cooper and Company. Um, And then, of course, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Brie Cooper, Mezzo Soprano. All right. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. We no, really thank you. It's about time. It. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You were in high demand, Dr. April. <laughs> <laughs> you were in high demand. <laughs> and you run a tight ship, Miss Dr. April. <laughs> he is in high demand. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And we love having you. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank All you for right. everything. You're welcome. Well, we're going right. to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with a radio personality that's going to talk about dating in the 50s. All right. Ooh, I want to listen to that. Stay stay on board. (laughs) Yeah. uh, How do I do that? I need to, I I need to seriously uh, take some notes. Wait, Yeah, just stay on board. (laughs) All right. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Okay. If you are listening to this commercial, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have stress. You may need a therapist. How do you find a therapist? Oh, you go to your phone book. Wait, what's that? Go to the World Wide Web. You type in therapist near me. And then you find a list of acronyms. LMHC, LPC, NCC. (sighs) How on earth do I understand this and navigate this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in helping people that struggle with anxiety, stress, burnout, grief, depression, compassion, fatigue, sleep issues, body image issues. You can have help today. DrKellyBoucher.com Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Yeah, so we've just been talking before with Bridget Cooper and music and intimacy. And now we have a radio personality. Her name is Shonda. And Shonda will be joining us. And Shonda is here in Fort Myers. And she um, does the morning show. And she does a, like a very intimate um, radio show. And she wants to come on or call me in and, and help us all talk about dating in the 50s. Yeah, full attention. Yes, yes. Welcome, Shonda. I think you have your microphone on off that you may not be able to see. I cannot hear you yet. 
No, the, the microphone thing is still on. While she's bringing that up, I just want to remind uh, our listeners that next week we have Pamela Havy-Lau on how to be a safe haven in conversations about intimacy. And we want to remind you to also be sure to like us and follow us on YouTube uh, as well as Apple. And now we're back to, is it Mallory J? Is that yes. your alias? Yes, that's my alias. Nice. Yes, well, welcome to the show's show, yes. So um, let's just get right into the topic because um, many of our listeners are in their 50s or close to it. And dating is, <laughs> it's different because when you date, when you're in your 20s, you're looking for that partner to maybe have kids with and all that other jazz. Yeah, you have plans. You have plans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And, and you, you have a body to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Things yes. tend to look a little different a little later on in life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's different. It's different in your 50s. Yeah. A lot different. Much easier in the 20s than it is in the 50s. What do you find are the challenges? Well, the challenges have been that uh, usually men, I hate to say this, but men our age group, 50 and older, they kind of want to slow down and just, you know, relax a little bit. They'd rather stay at home and chill or Netflix and chill. However, we in our 50s, women in our 50s, we kind of feel like, hey, it's, it's time to get out and about. You know, we've been tied to family and our kids and we're becoming empty nesters. So we want to see what is out, you know, what is it like to just go, be on the go. I mean, on a, on a Friday night, just be able to just take off and go off to another city or something and, and, you know, just be free with that compared to, you know, we're more spontaneous to do things than the, than the fellas are. They like to just take things a, a lot easier. Yeah, I never thought about that, but, but that's true. I mean, um, now we're, we're really wanting to go, go. I mean, even myself wants to go and do things. Yeah, yeah. So how do you find someone who can go and move and, and do a lot of things if they're all just sitting there watching Netflix? Yeah, binging. <laughs> yeah, they are binging, right? Okay, so um, I have been on Match for a while and how the young people say the millennials say for a minute <laughs> and so, prior to COVID-19 you're kind of doing similar things that they would do on the other apps and that would be kind of like you know you you uh, chat a little bit email then you might when you feel safe enough exchange you know for a phone number and then go out for coffee or in my case a smoothie or what have you um, after that, they kind of like, okay, that's the most energetic they might get, and it may uh, extend off to um, a dinner date or something like that, but um, it kind of starts with just those things. Since COVID-19, they just, things have changed. It just moves straight to how the millennials do it, FaceTime. You FaceTime for everything. And unfortunately, a lot of the gentlemen who are over 50 aren't comfortable with that. They're not comfortable with FaceTiming. They don't really care to use text messaging. And so they would prefer to just talk on the phone. So it's, it's been a little different. It's fun. It's funny. <laughs> Not fun. Oh, are, you <laughs> dating, 
Are you inferring that you're dating older men or men your age? Usually men my age. So it's like 50. I do have a a limit. What's your range? We need to get that out. What's your range? To be honest, uh, to be honest, I have a range of like, I'll say 50 to, you know, a little older or 48 to 50. However, I'm, don't be surprised. I have been, uh, how do you, a, a lot of younger gentlemen have reached out to me. So about 40, <laughs> 35, I've actually, I've dated one that was in his late 30s. So, yeah, they, the younger gentlemen are quick to use these dating apps with no problem. So you know, <laughs> the rule. you know, the rule, right? Uh, Mallory J. The rule is What's the rule? Dr. April and anybody listening. Here's the age rule for dating. You take what your age is, you divide it by two and you add seven. And that's the youngest <laughs> date. <laughs> so that's what they say. So I'm 54. So whatever half of that is, so I have that, and then I can add seven to that, and that's as, as strong as I can. <laughs> well, that would be 32 for me. That would be 32. So, and so, yeah, they've been a little older than that. They've been about, well, they might approach me, but 35 and older have approached me. And, I, and like I said, I've dated someone that was 39. Right. I think so, when dating yeah. younger men, um, it's, it's also then that part of the children aspect. And it's yes. that age. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, I have adult children, so I have adult kids. So it makes me a little nervous when someone is a little younger than I am. And um, with the 39-year-olds and 38-year-olds, they're like, oh, my goodness, I want to be able to introduce you to my mom. And I'm like, <laughs> my mom and my grandma would love you. I'm like, absolutely not. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> And that's like me. Yeah. Mom is my age. And I'm like, no, no, let's not do that right now. How about let's hold off on that conversation a lot later. I'm not her. I know sometimes with um, some people I've told that it's good to have like a shopping list of what you're looking for. Do you have a shopping list? Yes, I do have a shopping list. Unfortunately, I think my girlfriends are like, you, you're sticking to that shopping list. You should uh, change some things around my shopping list. I feel I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not. I think what I'm asking for is someone that's kind of similar to me to a certain degree. Um, you know, I'm kind, compassionate. I care about people. I worry about, you know, making sure that our communities are taken care of. I advocate for people in our community. In addition to that, I have my career in radio, which is usually, I'm be honest, that is the turnoff for a lot of potentials. And then- um, why, why is that a turnoff of what you do? It's a why turnoff. It, because they think um, you don't talk about them on, on the radio station? Yes, and Dr. Brown, you know I do. You know I talk about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I share a lot. And they're like, mm. yeah. And yeah. If they keep listening to the stories, they might figure out which, you know, which person I was talking about on the date. So usually after a weekend, I'm quick to share a situation on a Monday show. Yes. Okay. But yeah, I'm assuming you change the names a little bit to protect them. 
I try not to use names at all. I'll say he or she. Be honest, I lie and say it's my girlfriend. So I'll be like, oh, my girlfriend went out this weekend and we talked about it. We got together. And yeah, I'll do it like that. I change it up. I, I don't use names. Yeah. But well, if we'll, they listen to the story, they'll figure it out. I always say, well, we'll just call him James because that's his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say, hey, just use the name James. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll give you a brief example of a, a recent uh, date. Um, you know, uh, James wanted to take me out and uh, he used a Groupon. Now, at the same time, this is true. I have another best girlfriend. She had a date as well. I'm not going to use her name, but let's just say Sharon. Sharon had a date with Michael that started out with a pedicure, a pedicure, and then afterwards they had dinner. And he pulled out a Groupon. Well, afterwards, Sharon, I mean, she's texting me throughout this time. And then after the date, we call each other. She's irate. She's irate. He pulled out a Groupon. She said, what is up with this man pulling out a Groupon? He's too wrong to pull out a Groupon. And I just shared the same thing. I'm like, well, you know, my date pulled out a Groupon and I'm not really upset about that because I'm somewhat of a frugal person. That's on my list. You know, I'm kind, compassionate, you know, I'm a little frugal, a frugal person. So we all like to say that it's been a difficult you know, year, the past year has been very difficult on a lot of people. So I don't anticipate that this person will be, will be getting on a private jet going anywhere. <laughs> so, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, on, on my little shopping list, it, it's not a lot. Just a kind of compassionate person. Someone that is, they understand the work that I do. Another thing is because I'm a people person, that might be a turnoff. And even my children will tell them, it's like, yeah, everybody knows her, but they don't know her. And then people ask me, do you know them? And I'm like, no, I really don't know them. But I make them feel comfortable enough to share. So that's a good thing. Good, good, good. But yeah, they would have to be, um, coupons is okay, but they'd have to be financially stable because financially stable. Sugar mama in our 50s. Oh, I make that very clear. I'm no one sugar mama. (laughs) So for the young men, that's why I had to tell them another one of my characteristics of things that I have as an issue is I don't cook like most women do so men the first thing they want to say oh she has to be able to cook and I let them know day one in the first conversation I don't cook I've been blessed that in previous relationships the men um, were more domesticated than they cook and so they're like well how do your kids eat well we eat out most of the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and after that then uh yeah I can do some basic stuff but my kids prefer that uh someone else is cooking over mine or they prefer to go out to eat so yes oh wow so we have a you know, so- question from um a guest they're asking you know in COVID it's been so isolating that they don't yeah. and they're now wanting to start to date and they're in their 50s how do they even go about doing it well, there are a couple of apps that people um, usually go to first. Um, like I said, I'm on the Match app. There's the Hinge. However, there are, um, if they're a person of color, blackpeoplemeet.com. Well, I try to explain to people if they don't understand that a lot of the different apps that are out there are really subsidiaries of Match. So they oh. kind of like, yeah, they just it's the same yep. thing, and they just kind of change the name. 
Um, and except for like a Christian Mingos and something, there's another one that's uh, eHarmony is not associated with them at all, but a lot of them are very similar. So they can kind of like just, you know, pick and choose. Um, there are some that are not of good quality. I've oh, learned from oh. my girlfriends. I've not experienced, I don't even, I kind of take their word for it. Plenty and of then fish. as we, huh? Plenty, oh, plenty of, of fish. fish. Yeah, I didn't I say it. Fishing, but I'm like, how can I be the best looking person on an entire website? I doubt it. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't I say it. it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a fisherman. I was like, hey, whoa, you know? And then I'm like, Am I swiping right when I should be swiping left? I didn't know. Right. And then, so unfortunately, one of my girlfriends, she's the one that utilizes that one the most, and she always has horrible dates. And uh, I tried to get them on, you know, my app, but, you know, it's to each their own. They can try. You get an opportunity. Each app will allow a person uh, a free, you know, yeah. free look. You just have to really kind of value, go back and forth. And unfortunately, to be honest, everyone's on just about every, every one of those different um, apps. So is it better when you swipe those ones that, um, oh, is it Bumble? Bumble, Tinder. Oh, Tinder, yes. And there's yeah. one where you could swipe left, swipe right, and uh, swipe right. And it lets you know exactly where that person is. I don't like that. I don't oh, want that person to know my location. location. Oh, that's it tells your location. Yeah, I don't want that. uh, Does the bumble the woman gets to strike? I thought so. Yeah, right, right. But I didn't know it tells you exactly where your location is, which is kind of Tinder can Tinder. Yes, it can. You can opt in, opt out of it. They'll tell them. Find my next hookup because that's known as a hookup. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess that's when you need the location. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. the closest tender is the hookup. Let's see, where are they? Oh, right, that would be, you're right. That would be away. the quickest, yeah. Here, mm-hmm. where's the closest Coles? 3.6 miles. Hey, Tinder, mm-hmm. where's the closest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll tell you exactly where they are. They're like, uh, they're around the corner for you. Oh, Lord. It's like, okay. <laughs> not a very COVID-friendly dating app. Right. No, you know. But yeah, with COVID, um, a lot of them have allowed uh, allowed people to be able to just kind of like FaceTime. They have in their settings uh, a video chat that you can utilize. But you, most people have them on their phone. So um, if you feel comfortable enough to do that. So I just kind of like FaceTime on my phone. Hey. <laughs> so I guess you know, the first date is always the FaceTime or video date before you actually meet a person in person. Yes, my very first video date was pretty cool. It was pretty cool because I was like, I didn't know how this person was going to go about doing this. It seemed a little strange. It was a little, you know, you they were a, little, a lot more creative. So you, you know, you have your little nice little drink and then all of a sudden prior to the date, things are coming to your house. I was like, oh, that's considerate. <laughs> After, it, it took a while because you're sharing information. You don't want to share too much information. So with that, we had, uh, my date and I had uh, spoken for a while before disclosing my real location. Right, right, definitely. Now but it was different. That was different. Yeah. yeah, I would think you would also probably have to tell one of your best friends if you go on a date somewhere. 
where you're going and stuff. Dr. April, not only do I tell them, honey, I send them pictures. I'm like, if anything ever happens to me, this person got me, okay? That's true. I never thought about that. Yes. My sister is a cop, so I Dr. Dr. April Brown, check this out. Not only do I do that, but if I'm outside, you know how you're kind of like waiting or you're walking by, I will take a picture of the car. I will happen, you know, to walk around, take a picture of the uh, license plate. There, yes, and on my phone, I have three the uh, 360 app. My kids need to know where I'm at. Oh, mom is traveling down so-and-so road. So, yeah, I, everybody knows everyone knows it used to be back in the day i would call a friend that was a police officer and do a background check on you well yeah <laughs> there's a new app uh what's it called oh it, i can't remember that's okay but there's a couple apps that i have discovered lately that um help you know who a person really is i yeah. was i was catfished last year really oh yeah. my goodness yeah, we'll probably have to do a catfish episode, Dr. April, but, but yeah, um, it, if it looks good, too good to be true, it might be. But I was thinking about when you were talking- And you, and you uh, did a video one? Uh, was it a video? No, it was all via text. It was okay. in the, only the first five days and it was a plenty of fish thing. Okay. And then I was like, wow, if it's too good to be true, it is, right. you know- and I did a reverse image check and the person had four different accounts with four different names. Mm, wow. I got catfished. But what, going back to the video and dating, you know, here we are in our 50s, we're dating. And if you do FaceTime, I would have to say, you know, I may look tall, I may sound tall, but I am not tall. <laughs> when people are like, wow, I, would, I thought you were taller. Yeah. Nope. You have to do no. some descriptions. Yeah, and, and one of the other things in reference to uh, the FaceTiming, I'll FaceTime like a lot in my car and or I'll make a request to FaceTime immediately and the, just to see how comfortable they are. And usually, like I said, the older gentlemen our age and older, they're kind of like, oh, I want to. FaceTime, I'm out here driving and I'm like, okay, pull over and do it. And the reason why is that I've learned that they've done that to me. I call it catfishing. Yeah. So for my experience, a person, if I've met um, at a meet and greet for a coffee or what have you, had been watching me from their car. So they watched me enter the uh, location and, um, I was like, are you coming? And they're like, yeah, sure, sure. Come to find out that they're just watching me from behind just to make sure I look like who I look like. So I've had that experience a few times. I started doing the same thing. Now I'm not a mean person. I'm still going to meet you wherever you are. But the whole, I, I understand that men are visual. Um, but if you're going to ask me for a whole bunch of different pictures mm -hmm. um, and then I asked you for a picture and come to find out you've altered your picture. I'm a little frustrated when I see you. And then I got to lie to you and tell you, yes, you do look like you do in your picture. You don't have to lie. <laughs> and I continued on with the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so does that qualify for uh, catfishing? 
No. Because I talk about a lot of that on my show. I get I, frustrated right. with that. I've expressed that to you before, Dr. Yes. April Brown. Is that yes. frustrating? You yes. asked me a to see you all these pictures and to be honest with you these are the same pictures that are all over my social media that's right. no different right yeah. so right. right i feel catfished all the time mm-hmm. yeah and i hate to say this too but yes our gentlemen that are kind of like older to get a little stuck on those photos from back in the day okay. they have their service photos and it's like honey you have not looked like that since you know you've been in the navy you've retired from the naval from the navy you've right. retired from the army why are you sending me pictures of you in the armed forces right but is it okay to just tell them you don't really look like your picture I think I'm, I might need help from you with that. Because <laughs> okay. um, I'm always a nice person. I might need a little help with you. Yeah, but I think being honest isn't being mean. You're just being authentic. You're being honest. Hey, I you need to work what? on that. Let me tell you something, Mallory J. and Dr. April. <laughs> I said I was a fisherman earlier, right? Well, right. here's something that I learned. When I go fishing, let's say, from the pier, and I take two poles because I want to catch fish. So I, I have two two rods in the in two lines in the water, we call it. And didn't want to lose somebody's attention when I said rod, but whatever. I have two lines in the water. And I never catch a fish when I have two lines in the water. I never do. I have been fascinated by that fact because you have to ha- you have to hold it. It's very sensitive. You have to figure out if they're interested. And that's true. I'm fishing, like, okay. And then you set the hook. So if you have two, you can't pay attention to the line in the water. You can't set the hook. You don't catch anything. So my encouragement to anybody dating in their 50s or otherwise is to have one line in the water, to know what you're fishing for, have the right weight or have the right bait, and don't be afraid to wait. Because you're worth- That's some good advice. Thank you. Yeah, that's some good advice. If you ever want to go fishing, I'll take you fishing. Thank you. I probably need to go with you because I do just the opposite. I think I'm, I fish like the young people do in their 20s. I'm like, okay, five or six, whoever keeps my attention the longest, good luck to you. So, but I don't tell them that. But yeah, I do. (laughs) Well, um, Mallory J, it's been a wonderful having you on the show. Yes. So if people want to um, get to know more about you, where can they find you? Oh, absolutely. You can find me at WCKO 107.5 Jams. We are home of the Steve Harvey Morning Show middays from 10 a.m. to 3, and that includes Saturday as well. And, of course, on Facebook, which a lot of my show is also on Facebook, (laughs) is Mallory J. B. Jammin, and that's M-A-L-L-O-R-Y-J-B Jammin. All right. Thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Check her out. Yes. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed meeting you, Mallory J. I will be following you, and I hope you catch your fish. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, someone is on my side. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It was nice meeting you as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Have a good one. Oh, same to you. And this okay. has been bringing intimacy, intimacy back show. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and now even on TikTok. And we have some upcoming shows. You want to tell us about that, Dr. Kelly? 
Yes, next week we have Pamela Havy Lau, who is talking about how to be a safe haven in conversations about intimacy. And this is one of those topics that, you know, when you talk about intimacy, everybody talks about whether it's sex, sexual intimacy or otherwise, but it is uh, spirit, self, and sexual intimacy. But we're talking about sexual intimacy next week and how you can have be that safe haven for your friends and have conversations about intimacy with Pamela Havy Lau. All right. Well, thank you. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.